welcome to the Kitty Talks podcast. Every week, I interview top thought leaders who are changing the world with their work. They're doing their dharma, they've uncovered their purpose, and they've created the most amazing lives. Now, what I do is I interview them to show how they transitioned into the work that they are doing on the planet today. This will empower and inspire you to do the same. Everybody has a dharma, everybody has a purpose. By listening to our interviews, you will tune into yours and you will create the life of your dreams. Now, if you're having a little problem with that and you don't quite know where to start, then please come and join our Do Your Dharma community. We're launching the course again in March. It's an eight-week online course. Such a beautiful community of people who are doing that course. And the course takes you through. It understands and shows you and demystifies the subject of Dharma for you. Because when you understand the Dharmic principles, you can use those in your life, basically to keep yourself at the top of the emotional vibrational scale to show you how to create the life of your dreams. There's some really simple formulas and success tips that I teach within the course and you get to uncover your purpose, you get to create a vision for your life and you have a community of people standing by your side to help that come to fruition. So if you haven't already, come and join my Facebook group on Facebook or come and follow me at Kitty Talks on Instagram or apply at doyourdharma.co.uk if you're interested in doing the course. See you on the other side. Hello and welcome to the Kitty Talks podcast. This week I have got an amazing guest for you, Cameron Beddy. He is a mind and body coach, an NLP practitioner, a hypnotherapist, an IEMT practitioner. I had never heard of this before I interviewed Cameron. And you're going to find out what an IMT practitioner is. And actually, Cameron very kindly helps me clear some fear that I have been hanging on to. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast where he does a live demonstration of what IMT actually is. Now, what I want you to listen for in this podcast is Cameron's a really good example of somebody who's done their dharma from a young age. You know, from the age of 13, he was very into dancing and he followed that. And actually, he didn't really care what people thought of him. You know, he was a young Asian boy dancing. You know, it wasn't really the norm, but he didn't care. He followed what he loved. And what you'll also hear in this podcast is he was very good at tuning into the messages that he got. He got into meditation very young and started to notice the difference that meditation actually had on his life, you know, as a 20 year old. And then Later on in his career, he listened to how he felt about what it was he was doing. Once he started to really impact and help other people, it just gave him such a huge high. And he followed that feeling of excitement and joy. So if you're listening to this, to do our Dharma, what you need to do is follow your highest excitement, follow your passions, and you will get on the Dharmic path and your beautiful Dharmic life will unfold. So please, by all means, listen all the way to the end. And I'd love your thoughts on this interview. Cameron is a beautiful human being. Hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. 
And today I am very excited about the guest I'm about to introduce you to. He is a man after my own heart. He's passionate about mental health and being an advocate for, for people who are suffering with mental health issues. He and I have both gone through them and he's going to tell you a little bit more about that. Cameron Beedy, welcome to Kitty Talks. Hi Kitty, thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to have you on. Such a lovely human being. We've connected (laughs) previous to the show. And Cameron just, you can feel his heart. It's very beautiful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) But Cameron is a mind and body coach, a NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist. And he's going to tell us what a IEMT practitioner is as well. (laughs) (laughs) So Cameron, for those guys listening who maybe haven't come across you, I'd really appreciate it if you could explain to our audience who you are and what you're currently doing in the world. Yeah, so I'm currently um, working with people around mental health challenges. I tend to see a lot of people who kind of suffer or are challenged by anxiety. Um, so I'm kind of more in that in the domain now of working with people that have anxiety challenges, whether it's around parenting, whether it's around um, where they are in their life or where they're going. Um, and I still work with people physically. So I still teach Pilates and I cross over a lot of mind, body kind of methods from relaxation, meditation, as well as personal coaching. Wow, fantastic. And what we love to do on Kitty Talks is really um, share your story, because obviously there's lots of people out there listening who are tuning in, trying to find how they want to contribute in the world. Um, and I have find it amazing when people like yourself share your transformational journey and story. So would you mind kind of taking us back and just sharing with me and the audience how you got into the work you do? Yeah, so it was around my mid twenties. Um, I I discovered self help um, in terms of self help books, and um, I discovered um, I think it was James Van Praal. Um, his his small book, which is just so powerful for me, small book of meditations, and it is literature. It's called Meditations, and each page um, was just a descriptive meditation. Um, a guidance and exercise to do and that's where in my mid-20s I started to explore what I could do with my mind what I could do myself from reading and then taking that kind of initiative taking that self-motivation to put it into practice Um, and I was just really amazed by the sense of peace that I could feel um, Mm. within myself and I was amazed that uh, what what I could do with with my own mind, um, because I suppose for you know even with people that that come to see me and and for, for people for so long, we tend to identify ourselves that our mind let's say controls us or that we don't have any control over how our mind operates. Mm. And it was really in my mid twenties that I I got to experience very early on in my life, I suppose that actually I could direct my mind the way I wanted to and. And in doing that, I could change how I was feeling. Mm. And I suppose in that point in my life where I was exploring this um, self-journey, this self-practice, which was a casual, relaxed practice, um, it was actually filling, I suppose, a void in my life. It was, um, it was nourishing me. It was giving me a sense of peace um, mentally and mm. emotionally, um, helping me to kind of deal with the things I suppose that I was running away from, um, that those internal battles, those internal challenges that can really, you know, play on your mind and 
pull you into the depths of, let's say, depression or feeling emotionally low. And in relation to my life, you know, to my own identity, to where I was in my life, to, to who I am culturally, and, and accepting that, that identity, I, I was able to find peace from the work of James M. Pratt and actually having that meditation practice. And whereas I, whereas I thought it was a hobby, it was actually kind of healing. Mm. And so over my 20s, I, I, um, I, I suppose in a lot of ways, I became almost addicted to self-help, mm. um, addicted to learning lots of different things that I could do for myself. And in some ways, I feel quite blessed that that became my addiction because I was yeah. going through a lot of personal challenges, you know, especially with my identity. Um, and, it was, and, and it was everything that I contained. And that's the thing with, um, um, with mental health, with, with stress, with depression. We as humans, we can really contain what we're feeling. We can really hide from the world Box it what's off, yeah. happening on the inside. Mm. And we can really put on this perception of, you know, what's out there, um, putting the perception of a smile or being happy. But when inside, we can be suffering. Mm. And that can be, you know, difficult. It can, it can be a lonely road. Um, it, you can really feel emotionally low and stuck. And so having all of this access to kind of self-help practices and, and reading about other people's journeys and actually this interest in how the mind works, I suppose I was able to take myself to a point of peace. I was able to distract myself. And a lot of people use, you know, substances or habits or I was, things. Uh, I was going to say, it's so impressive for an early 20-year-old to be not experimenting with drugs and alcohol right. and to be experimenting with meditation. That's not the norm. Hmm. And how did it come about? And, you know, I was, I suppose, you know, it's the term, it was, you know, it's that famous kind of saying that when, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. Mm. Um, And I was just, and you know, this was after my student days and, you know, and on the outside, I was living a life where I was happy and I had a really good social circle and I was doing a career that I loved. But I knew, and only I knew, and you know, people around me had a sense because you drop, the mask can drop. Mm. But I knew, and I was feeling this challenge. And I was in I was at a bookstore, and I was just walking through. And maybe it was something about, you know, bookstores tend to be very quiet, very peaceful. And, and you know, that's what I was searching for within. I was searching for peace. And I was just in this bookstore, and the book was sat there. Um, and there was just something about it, you know, this book on meditation mm. that I took away with me. and. It, it became like a, a hobby, it, you know, late, in my late twenties, it was, more, yeah, it, it called me, but in my late twenties, it, you know, all of this work became like a practice, a way of life. Mm. Back then it, it was a hobby and it's in mm. self-reflection. It's in looking back. I was like, do you know what? Yes, I smoked. Yes, I drank. But actually my high, my natural high was to go within myself and to create that sense of peace. Mm. And I think it's so important that what you're talking about with feelings and emotions and how human beings, because depending on the environment we're brought up in, depends on how I think we express ourselves. And personally, I was brought up in an environment which was very closed around emotions, like you didn't express your emotions, you didn't talk about how you felt, you know, and so you're right, we can be very good as humans as hiding it and pretending that everything's okay, whereas actually there's kind of this nagging feeling and nagging doubt 
So how did you shift into yeah. wanting to make that more of a career? Um, well, so my kind of career transition. So I was in the arts. I was a professional dancer for eight years. Um, and I've sort of always been working around the body. Um, and I began teaching Pilates because you're always in and out of work. So I was teaching Pilates. And I suddenly moved more into um, having a, a physical, let's say, business where I was, I was seeing more and more clients. And in the early days, the clients that I worked with, they were injured. They had a lot of back problems. And I remember one particular lady had done a few sessions with her and she came bouncing into the studio where I was working and she said, um, you've really changed my life because I'm not in any pain. And there was just this overwhelming feeling in my chest of kind of like purpose. Mm. If I were to label it, it was like mm. purpose, like, like I'd, I, me, had had an effect on someone else's life. Mm, um, and it was just, you know, and being in that arts industry, which I kind of, towards the end, I was getting standing around a lot. It's boring. You're waiting for work. So to, you know, it, and that's what it is. It's a feeling. And when you listen to that feeling and when you allow that feeling to guide you, mm. you start to live more from within. Mm. Um, and the joy of that feeling, and I can, you know, I still feel it now, but, in those early days, because it was so new to me, because it was so raw, that feeling right in your chest, right from your heart. Mm. Um, it, what I learned then was it never went away. It never weakened. If anything, it got stronger. The more you listened to that center there in your heart, the more you embraced that feeling, it got stronger. Mm. And so it was like a calling, it almost became that beacon of light from within you. Like, how can I shine this into someone else's life? How can I make another impact? Um, because I suppose, you know, we are here in many ways to serve. Mm. And the best thing that we can do, um, and it doesn't have to be for an exchange. Okay, this was work. But the best thing that we can do is be of service to someone else right mm, absolutely um, talking my yeah. language <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and it's that inner feeling that inner knowing that connectedness mm. which i believe everyone can feel so that's what kind of transitioned me very quickly into working with more and more people um and you know that feeling was there i kind of changed my perception of life i was living more through gratitude um my my, my hobby became like a practice practice more than practice it became a, like a way of life a way of my mind um and again, my clients guided me, I feel, where, to where I needed to be um, because I started to notice that a lot of the physical people that I, were working, that I was working with were stronger, they were fitter, but they still had symptoms of pain. And I got curious to what it was, and that's when I realized it was a psychosomatic connection, a mind-body connection, and that it was more on a mental level. And that's where I first went off to uh, train and to experience NLP. Um, so, yeah, it's all about the structure of mind. So that's where the whole mind-body method mm. came from. So I then went off to explore lots of different things. And it was just a natural progression because, you know, we live in our body, our minds, you know, connect with our body. Everything that our mind does infiltrates into our body. Everything that we feel comes from our through our thoughts. And it's just, mm. for me, it's a, it's a constant relationship. It's a constant companion of the two. Mm. Um, and I just love expressing that with my work and getting to do that with my work where I see people on a mental or physical level creating change in their life mm. but what I, what I really love about what you're describing is that you you 
inadvertently because when we do our dharma we listen to the messages that come from mind body spirit and emotion so you you yeah. were very plumbed in and listening to yeah. how you felt your you know what made you bring you joy the fact that the service was the thing that was lighting you up and actually for people listening what what you're hearing from Cameron and what you hear on all of these interviews is when you start to do that life really really opens up for us and like I love the way you describe it you said it was almost like your patients showed me showed you the way of actually how you should sort of specialize and which direction you should go that's exactly it Absolutely. And that all comes down to then that, you know, you're following, you're trusting, you're allowing the process to happen. And then automatically, you're then doing your dharma. Mm. Because you're guided through that. I've got goosebumps then. Yeah, it flows through you. It flows into the work that you do. It flows into the people's lives that you're working with. And it's just an extension of that oneness that we all have. And can you see, because this is the other thing I love to question, I love to ask people, because I I believe and I've seen that we're always being prepared for what we're supposed to do, you know, whether we are conscious of it or or not, basically. So so your dance training and your kind of background, can you see how and why now? Because I'd love you to explain that for people. Absolutely. Because so, you know, I started dancing as a teenager. I was, um, you know, 13 years old and back, you know, um, in my 30s now, but back then, um, it's, I suppose it's very different in schools now, but back then being a guy in school dancing, like I was the only guy in school and I just wasn't phased. There was this kind of inner strength, inner strength within me to, you know, just, I loved it. I loved the feeling. I did it. But the 13 year old me who went into that career, he was going to dance forever. He was going to dance. That's, that's all he was going to do. And actually the transition to starting to work with people in their bodies was so smooth. And it's exactly what you said. Mm. I was just naturally in that position. I was like, do you know what? I needed to have that education of the body, to have that passion for dance. And that has led me to working with people and working with their bodies now. Mm. And, it, and, you know, and to be able to look back to that and to be able to look back and to see, actually, it was the clients, the people that I was working with and those other issues of pain that was coming in that wasn't physical, which then led me to the mind. And you know what? I'm really open to being led to where I need to go to next. Absolutely. Your purpose will keep evolving and unveiling itself to you. But what I also love is you were doing something at a really young age, like 13, you were dancing, like you said, you could dance and dance and dance. And that's the, oh. that's the thing, people listening, you know, do what it is that you, are lo- you love and that you're passionate about. Yeah. And that gets you onto the right path. It really does. And I don't think that has any limits. And by that, I mean, it doesn't have any time limits. Um, we so easily get in our own way as adults mm. you know we think oh I'm too old to do that or mm. I'll not see doing that and it is that fearless 13 year old it's that child and we've you know a lot you know if you look to the younger generation that are around us they'll do what they want to do mm. and it's really important for us to embrace that in our lives whether it's a new practice whether it's a hobby whether it's going to somewhere to not limit ourselves because I really believe that we can be limitless and what we can feel and experience can also be limitless. Mm, Beautiful absolutely and I think you know I've also witnessed where people haven't been as plumbed in as you as tuned in and they haven't done the things that they love actually they're still inadvertently being trained or attracted to things which are serving them for for the later date so if you're listening to this and you're thinking, ah, you know, I'm 40 or 50 or 60 and I don't know, then, you know, it's this, 
it, there is method in the madness. Your life up until this point is totally, you know, that you just now need to tune into it and become more conscious of the signs and signals. 100%. Mm. Mm. So you started working, going towards working with people and their mind. And then yeah. where does this passion for kind of mental health and anxiety come from? Well, it's, I suppose it's knowing and experiencing my own anxiety. And, you know, I'm a very self-reflective person. It's interesting that you said, you know, can you look back and see that that got you to here and et cetera. And like, when I, when I was anxious, and um, particularly in my early 20s, I, you know, I was at a real low point, but I hid it very well. I was depressed. But mm. at the time, I didn't know I was depressed. Right, okay. I thought I was having a bad day or low day. But actually, when you look back, and sometimes looking back and having that self-reflection can really help us. I was like, I was depressed. Like, I was really stuck in my life. I was really low. Um, I was really lost. Mm. And, you know, having been in that position, that's what inspires me to kind of now champion a message of actually... I know what it's like being there and I know what that internal struggle is like. Mm. I know that it's really hard to communicate within yourself and to get past those thoughts that play on your mind and those feelings that really weigh your body down, but it can be done. Mm. And, and I know that there's tools and there's resources and there's information out there that you can try, you can embrace but it comes down to you. So that's what drives me now to, to share and promote and to show people that actually there's so, there's so much that you can do. And one of what I really believe, one of the more difficult things that you can do to yourself is to bottle it up and hold it in because that can really, it's like a pressure cooker. Mm. That's what it felt like for me. And it was like a pressure cooker waiting to explode. Now, how long are you going to let that bubble and pressure rise up inside you because there's mm. only so long you can hold on to that. Mm. So that's what that's really important for me now to, you know, through my book, through my work, to show people that actually there's ways that you can cope. There's ways that you can experience within yourself that can help you to transform the way that you're thinking, feeling within yourself. And even if that starts that first step which moves you towards your path which moves you towards the place that you need to get to in your life mm. embrace it because we're very very lucky like you know today in today's age that we have access to so much information the fact that we're having a conversation about this and we can put that out there and share that with people none of this was around when mm. you know i was in my early 20s you know it, there was very little even internet access, you know, it's, it, we've got it so easy now on our phone. Look it up, try something, stop suffering inside. Absolutely. Yeah, and you raised some fantastic points there because I think, you know, we're not educated to understand that we are energetic and yep. that emotions should flow through us and they shouldn't mm -hmm. bottle them up. You know, if you, the way I, the way the, um, the example I always give Cameron is about animals. Like you see an animal when they're scared, they shake. Because they're releasing the trauma, whereas we as human beings, you know this from NLP, we hug it and we hold it in. And of course, and of course, I never knew any of that. So for me, crying was totally weak. I'd like grown up in an environment where you didn't cry because mm -hmm. you, that would make you weak. And yep. so literally, I just held on to everything. And, and for me, it came out in drinking vendors. Yeah. yeah, because it has to come out somewhere and it came out in depression and drinking vendors. And I think 
The other thing that I, I'm pleased to see is changing now, which I totally agree with you, wasn't probably available in our day and age so much, was more of an awareness of mental health and an actual people not being afraid to talk about it because that was the other thing, the stigma that I, no one had ever said that they didn't feel good. So yeah. I didn't want to say anything because everyone else seems to be really happy and no one's ever said that they, you can get down and that's, you know. So, yes, I'm, I am pleased as well you know and actually i think you and i have the same mission yeah absolutely to raise that awareness and you know to let people know that there's so much that you can do and if it's working with someone if it's working on yourself just put the time in because it's really really rewarding for yourself yeah and it's so worth it isn't it because i think when you're trapped in that cycle like for me i didn't really know what was going on um, mm. But I think if you're listening to this, you know, if you're having more bad days, then good. There's something there you need to address, and you don't need, you don't want to push it, push it down. Um, yeah. So you wrote a book about this. You're so passionate about it. You wrote a book. How? What inspired the book? Well, it was kind of like so. My inspiration came from I suppose I was at a point where I'm, you know, I'm passionate about this. I'm sharing information through the social media platforms, and you know, I'm putting posts out about what we can do with our mind, um, how our bodies work joys the benefits of meditation like just just general self-motivation self-help and um i just kind of had this thought this kind of narrative that i was sat and it was going through my head i was like everywhere you go everywhere i go my thoughts they're with me mm-hmm. so it's kind of like it doesn't matter where you are your thoughts they travel around with you it's like where we live we live in our heads you know, we can be on the beach, but mentally we can be back at home or we can be in the past and so far from that reality of being on the beach. It's like you can be walking down the road, but actually you're walking in your mind. I was like, this is like a constant companion. Um, this is a space that we occupy so much of the time, which you know led me to the title, Your Mind is Your Home. This is where we live. And so it was it was this angle of um, showing people what they could do with their mind, what they could explore with their mind to help them find relief. Because with a lot of the work that I was doing with NLP and IMT and hypnosis, I started to see um, similar patterns across people, people that were struggling with anxiety or even depression, similar structures to how their thoughts were working, to how that internal dialogue was sounding. Mm. And so I was like, I'm doing similar interventions. Okay, so let's write about this. Let's let's get it out on a wider basis. Um, and then I kind of, that creative side, you know, from my arts, art background came back to me because I made it very... Um, very modern, very creative. I'm, you know, encouraging you to look at the daily actions that you take um, as you're editing and swiping and scrolling through all those news feeds that we do so unconsciously. Actually, you've got a news feed inside your head. Mm. You've got a timeline that sits there that shows you those memories, those time hops from the past that actually you don't want to be seeing. So you can do an intervention on those just as you would do and manipulate and edit something on your phone. Hmm. You know, we, I've never thought we about it like that. Hmm. Yeah, you know, and you know, which is kind of classic NLP as well. You know, we filter pictures, we look for good lighting, it's what we all do, right? We filter, we filter our perception of reality to make it appear good. And you can actually apply that same filtering process to the way someone or even an experience appears in your mind. Hmm. So 
one of the you know one of the uh, quotes I put in the book is um, it's about spending more time looking at the screen in your mind and giving that screen in your mind more attention instead of giving the screen in your hand so much attention. So you know, relating that to your phone because we. Mm. So, so talk me through that. So in a way, do you mean like almost using your brain like a vision board for what you want to happen in your life, as in creating your life? Is that? Yeah, well, do you know what? That's interesting because that's more towards the last section of the book because the, the whole centre section, let's say the how-to section, mm-hmm. is saying see your mind not only as a space that you live in, right, but see it as a timeline. You know, thoughts come in and out. They yeah. you, you scroll through different things. In your mind, you can go anywhere. You can drift off into the past to what happened. You can rewatch it. Mm-hmm. You can re-feel it. You can re-experience it. You can project yourself off into the future fear worry anxiety so see it as a screen because that's what it is you watch those scenes and scenarios happening but take that position of being a director so instead of just sitting in that cinema in your head watching those characters of your life play out actually Mm. stop them actually direct them to where you want to go to or actually change the filter change Mm. the way that their sounds are um, working which is very nlp in changing that structure of your head um and, you know, that whole, um, what you just said about having that future projection, once you've realized that you can change the setup, the structure of how the people are appearing in your head, how those memories are coming in your head, you can then create those thoughts that you want to have. You can create those experiences and you can even create those rooms that you fitted inside your head. That's the joy of our minds. Not only can we create, but we can change and edit. But most people, and I was in that position for a long time, we sit in the position where we feel stuck, where mm. we've just got to watch it play out. Mm. You know? We just feel that we are powerless. Well, actually, we're really, really powerful. We can make those changes. And one of the examples I give, I say, um, would you watch the content of what's going on in your mind, your experiences? on your TV screen. <laughs> most, most people would want to turn that screen off or mm. walk out the room. But in your head, you tend to binge watch it over and over again. Don't do it. Because that consumption, the watching that, is filtering into your body and it's affecting how you feel and it's changing your emotional center and it's pulling you down. But if mm. you wouldn't sit and actively watch it all day on your TV screen, don't watch it in the screen inside your head. And that's what the book covers. It covers interventions to stop that binge watching, to stop those internal sounds, the sounds of other people telling you you're not good enough, that you're not worthy enough, to stop all of that and to find those positive representations within yourself so that you can lift yourself up, you can build yourself up and you can change how you think and feel. Mm, absolutely. I think I love that because it's having that awareness, isn't it? To, to sort of stand back and look at your thoughts and go, actually, what? Those thoughts aren't real. You know, we, we talk about it as stories. You know, the amount of stories that we make up as human beings that don't exist is just incredible. And then we buy into the story and then it's a disempowering story. And the next yeah. thing you know, you know, you're kind of believing your own disempowering story and you don't want to get out of bed. Well, that, that becomes your reality, mm. right? So that, that narrative that, and, and for some people, it's what's been, what they've been told what others have said to them or projected onto them. Some mm. have kind of created this, but for some it's, it's been installed. Mm. It's exactly that. It filters down into your body. It influences how you feel and it captivates you. And in a negative sense, it can really feel you leaving, uh, leave you feeling stuck. 
and that's mm. not nice no and the other thing I think as well that um is very empowering for people like obviously like the way I look at meditation now is like brushing my teeth but for my mind you know because we brush our teeth we have a shower on a daily basis but you yeah. know what, what is it we do for our what is it we do for our mind you know so for me now medita- meditation is something I do twice a day and it's just almost like a reboot and you, and you know what? That's a choice that you've chosen. That's a value that you've installed into your life. And it's a daily practice. And how much time does it take to brush one's teeth? How much time does it take to put that meditation in? How much time do we spend or do people spend on their physical bodies working out, doing hundreds of squats, lifting weights, or working on their diets, cooking the right things? Well, what about our minds? Mm-hmm. If we can have a daily practice, even if it's just five minutes a day, mm-hmm. right? Where we actually look at what's going on in that screen, just press stop on it. And to be able to create that place of stillness or peace just for five minutes a day, what's that going to do? That's like training the mind. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're a generation of training the body, training our, our diets and looking at our nutrition, but we have to look at our mental health and what we can do. And it, it's exactly like you're saying, it's exactly how you're living it's having a daily practice. That's what it all comes down to. Yeah, and I think it's, you'll see it, well, we'll see it with our kids, won't we, in, our, in the future generations, because that will be instilled into them from the outset. Like like we were growing up, you know, you have to brush your teeth, you have to brush your teeth. You know, I know from, with my children, I'll be like, well, meditation is a daily practice. You do it every day. You have to do it, you know. So they'll just grow up in that environment, but that's the norm. Um, but yeah. But you're right. If you're listening to this now, you know it's it, it has such a profound impact. Like I I find sometimes in my in the morning, depending actually, um, my meditation can be better or worse. But when I have a good meditation, or um, I just find it sets me up for the for the for the day. Or if I skip it, you know, I just notice the difference. Like I'm not as focused. I'm not as centered. I'm probably a bit more of a headless chicken than if I do. I take that time for myself. Yeah, you notice, you notice the difference. And back in my 20s, that's exactly what I noticed. It's like I was able to change mm. what was happening in my head and improve how I was feeling in my body. There was, there was no pill, there was no practitioner, there was, you know, I didn't pay anything. I did that. And that's what we can do. We can all do that. Now, if you need assistance, fine get a book or join a course or work with a practitioner because change can happen very quickly. I was just going to show people because this is the cover of your book, isn't it? So, mm. by the sounds of things, yeah. if they're looking for ways to do that, yeah. then the book is the perfect thing for them to buy and pick up. Absolutely, yeah. Excellent. So, before I let you go, Cameron, I need to know what IEMT practice Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and do you know what? I'm really glad that you've asked this because it's a very, I'd say it's been around for over five years, but it's a very, um, developed uh, process which more and more people are, t- are turning to and it, it's basically integral it's called integral eye movement therapy okay. and it involves um the eyes moving through um a pattern associated with a, uh, a feeling um and that feeling can can trigger a memory and so basically change can happen with a person around a feeling around a memory in let's say as fast as 40 seconds so let's say um a person has got i mean and and it's great for trauma you know so if a person has got an uncomfortable memory 
an uncomfortable feeling, let's say with, with, in under a minute, that can be released, changed. Do you fancy gone. doing that on live? Absolutely. Um, I just have to check. <laughs> I just have to check with you um, that you haven't had concussion. No, never. And you don't have epilepsy. No. No, no epilepsy. No. Okay. And I would um, advise that anyone listening uh, or watching that you don't do this because you need to do it properly with a practitioner. Um, but is there a memory, let's say, um, that's maybe negative for you or let's say that causes you to feel uncomfortable or feeling? So what popped into my And you don't actually have to, and this is the joy of it, you don't actually have to say what it is. You can just say yes. Don't I don't I don't mind sharing. <laughs> this came up okay. at, this came up at Christmas for me. So this is okay. this shows how um fascinating we are as human beings. So my, we spent Christmas with my parents and as a child my father used to listen to the soundtrack of War of the Worlds whilst I was lying in bed. Now, for anybody who knows the War of the Worlds, it is the most, well, I, I find it terrifying. I still find it terrifying to this day. And it was fascinating. I'm a 41-year-old woman and he put this soundtrack on at Christmas and it brought up these feelings of fear. It was just incredible. The, wow. the, the connection that I still got, you know, as I think I must have been, I don't know, 10 or 11, 12. He did it for years listening to this song. Okay. And so these feelings of fear in relation to this, when you th- think about them, when you relate to them now, how strong are these feelings out of 10? 10 is the strongest or highest? I'd say eight. Eight. Okay, so that's, that's strong. And how familiar are these feelings of fear? They're pretty familiar. Like, uh, it makes, when, makes me feel like I'm crying. <laughs> uh, okay. And when is the first time you were feeling this feeling of fear? It doesn't have to be the first time it happened. The first time you remember feeling these feelings of fear. Oh, I remember running away from my dad. <laughs> okay. So a, me- a memory has just come up for you, right? Mm. Um, what, age, what age are you in that memory? Seven. And I remember running upstairs to get away from him. And shutting okay, the door. so what I want you to do, kid. <laughs> Perfect. So what I want you to do is eyes open, looking at me. I want you to think of that memory of running away from him. Hold that memory and your eyes, they're just going to move side to side like this, corner to corner, side to side. Go. And keep thinking of that memory. That's it. And if the memory fades, bring it back. Keep thinking of that memory where you were fearful, running away from dad. And relax your eyes. Okay, take a breath in for me. Nice, calm and deep breath in. And then just exhale when you're ready. Okay, good. So when you think of that memory now, what happens? I feel a lot calmer. Okay. And has anything changed with the memory? It's fuzzy. There you go. Okay, so there's been a change. Yeah. And what about where the memory's located? Mm, can't quite connect to it. Okay, and how does that feel? Like it's... That's weird. You kind of... So to describe the difference to people listening... Yeah, please the, do. The first time... I had a real, I had a real mental image of running up the stairs, shutting the door, locking the door, closing the door, 
disappearing, you know, like literally having my back against the door. And I could feel the yeah. that. And then it's not as you like the there's just not the the charge doesn't okay. feel so strong so behind it. You, you said it was eight out of ten. How mm. where would you put where would you put the feeling now in terms of a number? Am I going to War of the Worlds or am I going to running up the stairs? Okay, well, when you think of War of the Worlds, where, where would you put the feeling of fear there? Five. So that's gone down? Mm, it's gone down a lot. Okay, because the connection point to where you learned how to be fearful for you was where you were running up the stairs. So where would you mm. put the number of fear running up the stairs? Probably around the same, five, I think. Okay, so that's gone down. Yeah. And is, is it still fuzzy? Uh, I can see it, but I don't have the same feeling behind it. There you go. So you can see it, but it's not as clear because it's fuzzy and the feeling has lessened. So the process in general, which is a question-based process, but you didn't actually tell me um, what was happening around the memory running up and down. You You basically didn't have to go into the story. So you identified there was a feeling of fear. through the questioning process, which just explains to everyone listening or watching that actually we tracked that down unconsciously back to the age of seven and then we did the process. So it's only really going to work the process if you find the right feeling and right point of your life where it was. And by that, you didn't have to do any deep regression work. You didn't have to go into the story or detail and the intervention was fast. So when you think of the memory now, what happens? (laughs) there you go because the the joy of it is it continues to process for up to 20 minutes so you're going to find that's just going to get weaker and weaker yeah it's like the connections you can't i can't quite connect to it as well Mm. it's fascinating it is and it i see change really really fast with this um and um you know we're talking about mental health we're talking about being open uh and discussing you know what, what we're experiencing within and it's okay and this process in particular um from my experience it um it suits a lot of men as well, mm. um, as well, as well because they don't have to sit there mm. and talk about you know they, i've had got exactly i've had guys just said i've just got an uncomfortable feeling they didn't even want to it i'm like okay fine well let's do this process and then it's gone Awesome. Uh, and which, which is the joy of, you know, therapy has developed over the years and who knows what we'll be doing, you know, in 10 years time. Um, things develop all the time. We have so many practices, so many things that we can, that can really enrich our minds, enrich our lives um, because people, you know, they're putting the time in of, to be of service. And I think that's what being and doing your Dharma is, is all about. Mm, absolutely and if you're listening to this please you know take one thing from this podcast you don't have to suffer in silence you know mental health issues are i would say rampant you know Mm. they say one in four but i would say three and four you know it's it's, so if you're listening to this please know like uh, cameron said you can change things really quite quickly yeah Um, but cameron where can people find you if they want to connect with you so i'm Often on Instagram, sharing motivation, giving out tips and tools, which I'm at Coach Cameron Beddy. Um, for my website, you can get me at CameronBeddy.com, where oh, I've actually got um, a free meditation course, which has just launched. Cool. Just launched. 
So, you know, you can get some mindset meditations and yeah, you can reach me and find all that details at cameronbeddy.com. And we will have all of Cameron's details in the show notes. So if you've missed any link there, you can look them up there. But thank you so much, Cameron. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Well, we will see you next week with another amazing guest on Kitty Talks. Say goodbye. Bye. What a gorgeous man doing wonderful work in the world. And I have to tell you that since that session... The fear of War of the Worlds definitely is not as big. So thank you to Cameron for that. So do you want to do your Dharma? Well, we are launching the Do Your Dharma program again in March online. Last year, we had 24 people go through the Do Your Dharma program and they're now really in tune with what they want to do on the planet and they had amazing results. So if you want to join our community, please go and follow me at Instagram, kitty underscore talks. We have a free Facebook group, Kitty Talks on Facebook. And if you want to join Do Your Dharma, go to www.doyourdharma.co.uk and apply. We only really want motivated change makers. So go to doyourdharma.co.uk and apply. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Kitty Talks podcast. I do hope you enjoyed this episode and I too hope you were inspired to take action towards your dream life. You know, all it takes is aligned daily action towards your dreams and they will come to fruition. They will be created. You are an energetic being and you're more powerful than you've ever been taught. If you want some help and support, come and join us, doyourdharma.co.uk. Apply now. We're taking applications and we're going to help you support you creating a dream life. This is why you came.